What's going on, everybody? This is James Merriman's Facts Boys, and you're here for another episode of the Facts Project. Today, special guest. Wanted to have him on for issue one, but I missed that chance. So I got him here for issue two. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody, Aleem Leggett, all the way from Philly. We're here to talk about Sweet Pea issue two. Thank you for being here, brother. Oh, man. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate you providing the platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. For real. So um, to get right into this, I want to talk about like the inspirations that basically brought you to this, because more so you could talk about the nuances. Uh, it's a very protective father that yeah. is mindful over the everyday life of his daughter, Imani. Yes. And one fateful school bus ride changes everything in this. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> to to talk about this, I mean, the forefront, just the family aspect at first. Who are Imani and Marcus Williams? All right. So it's a father and daughter inside of Philadelphia, loosely. Imani is loosely inspired by my own daughter, who was uh, at the time of writing issue one, was 14 years old. So, um, yeah, you're right. He's a very protective father. And he, uh, Marcus is a very protective father. You know, he just cares about his daughter and um, trying to put a foundation inside of her life that'll help her through all of her, you know, just struggles and everything like that. And it actually pays forward into what we have going on inside of the book eventually. So. Word. And, and, and no, like just the, just the first 12 pages, like the midway into the book, there's a lot happening. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like when we're talking about like, uh, just basically getting on the bus with Imani, friends is busting on her, busting on her hair because only your dad does her hair. And, and pretty much from then on in, a lot of things start happening. Marcus is watching the news the same as a bunch of kids on the bus are also looking at the news on their phones and really realizing from that day forth that their school is on fire. And pretty much there's catastrophic things happening around the world and also in the middle of the highway that's about to hit their bus. Right. So when when you when you started to craft this book, how fast did you want to jump into this? Because the conflict happened so early. Yeah. Well, originally, you know, I was thinking we go through like four or five issues of of going one way, maybe like spend a, a good 15 pages or so on on just kind of building up these characters more. But mm -hmm. the guy that I was working with, Stephen, Stephen Duffy from Apex Comics UK to help me write the uh, issue one. He's like that's that's kind of like a manga mindset, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, you got okay. like thirty, you know, you got a two hundred issue story inside of your head, but we really got to distill this down to get this issue out and get the readers interested and and you know keep their attention with everything. So we went back to the drawing board and uh, you know we gave you which what we what we got, which I think is a great book and. Yeah. Uh, I have plans after I finish this introductory arc, maybe to do like an extended cut inside of like a, a trade copy, like a graphic novel, throw the, uh, the first four issues in there as well as, you know, like a couple of other pages to kind of flesh out the story more. But right now, the intention is just to excite the reader and give them some attachments so they can look forward to what's to come next. Yeah, the, how everything was happening so fast, it almost reminded me of like the first issue of Invincible. 
to where like pretty much everything was like happening all in one. And no, there was there was a there was a little bit of forefront why that why that was happening. Robert Kirkman, when he put Invincible Issue One together, he pretty much did all the all the uh, all the climactic events so early because he thought the book was going to get canceled. So yeah, <laughs> that was the main reason for that. But in essence, you got Marcus. Um, when we talk about him being a protective father, as as soon as Imani gets on the bus, he pretty much conquers up this lie on the phone with his job and everything, and he's following the bus. Yeah. So does he do it like in it from the mindset of the reader? Is he has he been doing this like a lot? Like, does he do, do this every day? Well, hold on. Now Marcus is going on his on his way to work and she's going to um, you know, she's on the bus. He's late because, you know, he's dealing with her, making sure that she's all set and out the door and everything. He ain't want to leave and, uh, you know, have her get herself ready for her day or anything like that. So no. that's why he had to, that's why he had to, to you know, make that lie up to the job or whatever, right? So, right. but, um, you know, they, they, they're they going two separate, direct, two separate directions. Mm, okay. okay. So it's something there for you. That you're gonna learn more about in uh in issue two because I see where your where your mind is going, uh-huh. right? But yeah, they 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 were actually going in two separate directions, and Marcus was running late because of what he had going on with his daughter, right? Got you, got you. Now, um, instrumental in the in the titles. Now, Sweet Pea issue one is called Purple Haze. Yes, Sweet Pea issue two is called the Last uh, the Sons of Adam. Which is right. more so a, a a new set of characters that are basically going to be built up in issue two. Why yes. did you preferably decide to name issue one Purple Haze? Purple Haze is just a, a nickname for the event that happens that causes all the chaos to break out into the city. You see, it was a lot of purple in the um in the sky and inside of the uh, the tones of all the, all the characters and everything was kind of like lightly coated with that with that purple because that. That's supposed to represent this energy that's here inside of the planet now and um you know affecting everything around it which is how you get introduced to to all the things that you saw on the highway and yeah you know, yeah so inevitably um things are falling out the sky and everything's so catastrophic but it ends up being like these these creatures these devil dogs that are pretty much tearing up the entire landscape and yeah let alone they've already arrived on the highway to where they've already crashed the school bus and are devouring everybody inside to the point where Imani just has to have split second thinking and get her and poor poor Amaya, her, her best friend out, out, out of the school bus. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) So like in, in looking at essence of things, like when people were watching, when Marcus was watching it on TV and, and the kids were watching it on their phones, this was not only just happening where they were at, this was happening everywhere, right? Correct. Yes. It's a it's a global event. Mm. Our story is gonna think our story is going to closely follow the events of Imani's life, but it is happening all around the world. So there's room for, you know, like other things to happen outside of her perspective that mm-hmm. might change her interactions in the future. And I think maybe one day I'll do like some some one shots off to the side. But right now I want to just kind of narrow the scope on to, you know, this one key character because she is key to the entire world that I crafted. Got you. Now, this is where it gets interesting because when Imani gets in trouble and all this stuff is pretty much happening, Marcus jumps into action. And let alone, of course, Amaya and, and, and Imani are left out there on that highway 
bunch of bunch of creatures are surrounding them. It's pretty much about to be curtains. The bus is already being being eaten up. Yep. And her her father comes out of nowhere. But the thing is, also in the meantime, it's she takes a look, and it looks like the person that's already dead happens to be her father. Right. But yet, so. in the same in the same breath. He's out there in front of her kicking ass. <laughs> so it, it's almost like, okay, this is mysterious power scale because he's telling her, look, don't forget about all that. Let's just keep moving. And he doesn't say, I'll tell you all about it later. He just is like, just trying to just get her out of the, the entire situation. So this mysterious power scale that Marcus has that he still hasn't revealed in the entire issue just seems to come into play. Yeah. So um, I know we're not on issue two yet, but that's something that you can look forward to learning more about inside of issue two. And what I really wanted to try to um, focus in on during that scene was just the different reactions to, to trauma. So you mm -hmm. can see the difference between, you know, how Marcus reacted one way, his priorities was made clear, right? Yep. And Monty's priorities was find my dad because that represents safety and, um, you know, find somewhere safe. And Amaya, you poor see Amaya. Yeah, that's what I said, man. Amaya was stuck. Yeah, and and the thing is, you could tell frame to frame, Amaya was just like stuck in like like she was just looking in one direction, did not blink. She wasn't paying attention to Imani, who was telling her to get up and go. Catatonic. Yeah, that, that pretty much ended up in her demise. Poor. Yeah, I just wanted to try to get inside inside of these these people's heads a little bit so you know this like this is you know around like 13 maybe 14 year old little girl yeah. that's seeing some like crazy crazy stuff happening mm -hmm. and unfortunately her constitution isn't there to where she can she can respond to that she's like a deer in the head and headlights right you know, from seeing all that that madness going on yeah and 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 even so Imani in that in, in in that aspect, the next turn of events is them just basically she all she's thinking about is her dog. She got to get home to Benny. Yeah. So they finally make it home. And it's almost like that whatever projection of Marcus fades to make sure that they because they're safe, he can he can finally just drift off. Now, in looking at the pages, did he just walk away or was it that? It was a projection in that is he like almost saying uh, it's almost like he was a ghost, a projection or an astral plane <laughs> version he, of himself. He did not walk away. Right. He didn't like, walk away. No, he didn't walk away. So you you on the right track. The the situation calmed down a little bit, you know, tensions, tensions kind of eased. So, you know, during that during that downtime, his purpose at that point was served. But no, he didn't just get up and go outside. Mm, see yeah but inevitably they're not safe um so the another battle ensues this time with this overgrown purple ape that just like destroys the entire house but marcus kicks back into effect but there is a frame in that book where marcus reappears where you're looking at imani's eyes and her eyes are glowing right <laughs> For, for like that split second because it's the it's the largest panel in the frame it takes up the whole page mm -hmm. so it's like you look at Imani's eyes and you're like wait okay so in essence certain things start to arise one Marcus probably ain't even from here 
Two, two. There's a reason that he's protecting, project, um, protecting his daughter. Three. There's probably a woman out there, a mother, that don't play around her, her probably her baby father, her husband, and her child that's out there, outside of Earth that might show up later on in these in these issues. Okay, <laughs> he's some great theories, man. <laughs> I'm, hey, look, man, the, 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 uh, this is what I, I read. I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, I got you. Got some great theories, <laughs> but but inevitably, like um, after after that second bout, uh, three sinister characters uh, start to arrive, and that's the final frame for issue one. Yep. And uh, I'm I'm going to take a a wild guess at this because of the character descriptions that you used in your summary for issue two that the Bane is pretty much that those three figures that show up now on earth. Yeah. Those are, those are leaders of the, of, of this invading force. Correct. Right. So this is a full scale invasion on earth. And this is something that they've been habitually doing to the universe for a while. Yes. Yeah, correct. Mm. This is, this is a faction that is, you know, bred for war and conquest and, and, uh, you know, hollowing out planets for resources and then moving on, moving on to the next. I can give you a little bit about their um their motives because it doesn't really spoil the story. But the Bane travel across different dimensions, creating these events that bring about that that purple energy mm -hmm. that we saw because they, they harvest that in an attempt to revive their dead, their dead guy. So it's a religious aspect to them. Right. It's, um, and, you know, their cultural aspect is just heavy on on war and they don't see human beings as um, a species worthy of, or any other species is worthy of, of consideration for, you know, as equals or anything like that. So like it's the bane and then it's everything else. So, so like they would be humans and everything else is just cattle to them. Mm. Pretty much, you know what I mean? Damn. So, like, I mean, in essence, I mean, they, they just feel like anything is theirs for the taking. Yes, by by right, by by virtue of, of their existence, you know, what I'm, like they are the 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 apex predators in of the of the across dimensions. Mm. Okay. Now there's a there's there's a small sliver of um there was a small panel where basically Marcus is telling Imani, if anything happens, if anything happens to go to St. Michael's, right? Like they're, they're places of fortress and they probably got a food drive. So you'd be able to get all the food that you want. And, but the thing is that particular place, you know, it's like almost as a safe haven. Mm -hmm. Um, is there more at play than just Marcus being like, uh, someone of his power scale on earth to basically say that maybe there's somebody at St. Michael's, of his of of his like that probably might, pretty much can help also in the same aspect. Okay, I see what you I see where you're going now. Saint Michael's, you know, he there, there was a food drive going on there. Yep. So you know, and it's a big fortified place. So that's what his thinking is. You know, this place is stocked. This place is secure, mm -hmm. right? That's not only his thinking though. So right. so. In the next issue, we're going there. I, I'll tell you that we're going, we're going to St. Michael's inside of the next issue, but they're not in a bubble. They're not the only survivors left in, in Philly. Mm. So 
there's other people in St. Michael's, you know, there's other people that's exhibiting these, um, these transformations too. Okay. Right. Right. So, and, and there's different responses to, to trauma still. So it's like a powder keg. Yeah. Well, well, I kind of noticed that basically in this summary for issue two, everything gets more broad. Right. So like already with a traumatic incident happening, happening, you're going to get rebellions start to happen throughout people that are pretty much scouring whatever landmass they can find for food, shelter, uh, possibly some type of currency in order to get more food or anything like that. So there, there's people like looting left and right in order to just survive. Right. Uh, the second part, when you're looking at the description for the last sons of Adam, which is basically the detailed portion of the book, it's a cult like following just basically of people about what had happened during the events of, of, of the purple haze. Yeah. So inside of the character descriptions, you got one of them is about this this, this uh, new character named Jalen. Yeah, and he's talked about as a manifestation of power, but he's yeah, a child. He, he manifests he manifests these uh these powers, and then I think in the in the Sons of Adam description, there's a it's a cult that was formed when when he manifests no. And Jalen's description is a child whose manifestation of power formed a dangerous cult. Right? Mm. So. So they see this and they try to make sense of what's going on. You know, they already in a in a church. So some kind of imagine like some kind of just religious cult is forming around now this boy because they're isolated and that's their experience. So that's mm. that's their lifeline that they latch on to to keep their sanity, you know. And, right. Yeah. But is there anything like special about the boy, or is it just that they're oh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 powered now. Now that that energy, it changes people, changes some people, not not a whole lot of people, but there's a few people that have the benefit of, of gaining uh, special abilities, mm. superpowers, or you know, however, you, whichever way you want to call it, right? Um. There's also some changes happening to the environment because the bane are there. So now, you know, like there's there's alien technology there. Yeah. Right. And and um, you know, they come with their own their their factories and refineries to, to get this energy. And that has its own runoffs and everything like that. So the landscape is changing tremendously in a very short amount of time. Mm. So yeah, so, a lot yeah, of it and and even in that aspect, you come to find out that there's a there's another group of people, uh, if I'm if if I'm pronouncing this correctly, the 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 Rizos, am I saying that correctly? I, the Rizos, yeah. All right. So like it, I'm looking at them, I'm they're pretty much not. I can't even say that they're they're the hunters of the bane, but they're more the rebellious, uh, opposing faction against the bane. Yeah, both are both are pretty much equally correct. So they're, they're, they're former victims of them. So now their thing is they don't have the army to go up against them head on, but they can they send out guerrilla guerrilla units and fight in any way that they can to get they get back. <laughs> ah, okay. So the thing is they've been probably following them from like galaxy to galaxy in, in hopes 
to run into them just to make make sure that they just like dead them from yep, then following them laying in wait um trying to prepare worlds for their arrival things you know all, all kinds of things anything that'll help them get the edge in their you know in their fight so so they may be able to help us a little bit help humanity but ultimately they have their own objectives and it's not the safety of humanity. It's just further in their fight against the Bane. So what to call them exactly allies, except for in the sense that the enemy of my enemy is, is my, it's friend. my friend. Yep. So, so now you have an opposing faction, you got a, a almost religious cult. Um, and lastly, you have uh, the characters of Dr. Rachel and Lieutenant Nathaniel. Lieutenant Lieutenant Nathaniel is 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 the protector of Dr. Rachel because uh, pretty much I guess she's she's up to something to where she figure she can figure out something science wise that could yeah. pretty much wipe this whole thing clean. Right, 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 right. Absolutely, yeah. So, so like I said, there's it's a lot going on outside of the mighty, right? Mm -hmm. But. Because it's, it's you know, the whole world is responding to this event. It's not just this, this you know, this girl and her dad. But now that they're in close proximity to her in mm -hmm. this next issue, we can explore them a little more and flesh out the world. And, right. And you know, have these other things, interactions. Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at it. I was like, there's so much now happening outside. You almost, um, in the first issue, everything is so centered on just Amani and Marcus. Right. And then to project it outward into mm -hmm. what's happening around it. And I like one, I like the fact that you basically because this is uh geographically set in Philly, you also put like some of like the street names. You had Lansdowne in there and yeah. everything like that. So I was <laughs> like, all right, yeah, you definitely <laughs> yeah. <in> Philly. <laughs> but um you get you you're basically seeing the world for what it is, but to, to have three different archetypes pitted in on one like centered uh centered storyline of Brownie, Monty, and Marcus. You almost forget about them because of the 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 uh the 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 mass around the characters that are pretty much happening. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you were able to construct this much um this much setting, this much tone and within three different point of views all while counteracting with the main character. Right. So I like to look at what what do I need to drive the story forward mm -hmm. and how do I give these other characters their due? So there will be points in time where we take a step away, like Amani gets out of the drop the steering the driver's seat. Yeah. And another character steps in for a little bit. We get to see some of what's going on with them. But it's always gonna be in a close proximity to to Amani. So uh yeah so i'm thinking like okay what is the the what are the government forces how are they reacting to this you know right. I mean? the bane and the result is i always wanted to have them because now now you got this new element of there's like a war going on and humanity is caught inside caught in the middle of it right okay so like earth is just a ploy in all this yeah earth is is just you know like in the I don't way, want to name any countries, but it's just the, it's the battleground that we, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that this war takes place on. This this current battle of this war takes takes place on, and um, yeah, I just wanted to have 
interesting characters with their own motives outside of our our one character. So she's not the driving force in everybody's life. But she's, you know, she's just a 14-year-old girl and a dad trying to take care of her and get from point A to point B. But how do we make that how we make that interesting? How we build a whole world? We need we need more, you know. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do it like she finds traveling companions and and keeps moving, even though I do have plans for things like that in the future. But God, even though I am moving at a kind of a fast pace, I also want to let the story breathe. It's true. It's true, because uh, even though you gave us a preview of uh, the first four pages and even the 18th page in the, in the Kickstarter summary, like you still, in, within any of those pages, you don't see Marcus at all. So right. it's almost like he appears when he needs to appear. Right, right. And yeah. it's something to that. It's something to that. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to leave that line out in the ocean too long. Issue two is going to clear up a lot of things, but it's also going to leave a lot more to be discovered as well. Mm. So I think you'll have some of these theories that you coming that you came up with are very close to the truth. Okay. And I look forward to how much more I can get you thinking with this next issue. I look forward to that. Um, <laughs> now the creative team. One thing about this book is it does not shy away from the art and how it's basically put together, man. So the the creative team that put this together with you, uh, if, if you could shout them out real quick. Yeah, I have um, Stephen Duffy, Apex Comics UK. You know, that's the guy that kind of like put the cables in, on my back and helped me to really make this thing happen. How'd y'all get introduced? Through Facebook, believe it or not, man, on... Um, uh, it was either I create comic books or black comic book creators, one of those groups, which are which are great groups for anybody mm -hmm. trying to break into indie comics, full of helpful people, uh, resourceful people, and uh, freelancers looking for work. So we met up, and uh, you know, I had I had the ideas, but I didn't really understand how to put it into a language that would be understood to uh, an artist. Or anything like that. I'm an artist myself, but I'm not a sequential artist. So right. I wanted to present the best book as possible. So that's how we got Yusef uh Shitu on. And he's from Nigeria. Also met him through uh Facebook. Well actually uh I met him through Steven actually. Mm. And um and but we you know we we stayed close together. I got him he's doing the art for the issue two as well. But it's just an amazing, uh, an amazing artist, and and you know, like he definitely his work deserves to be, his work deserves to be enjoyed because he he really did his thing inside of there. Yeah, then, and, uh, and and I saw basically uh, you you dipped into your creative self and basically added a little bit to the coloring. Yeah, yeah. For issue two, in issue two, I, I took over as the as the colorist for issue number two. Mm. Issue one was Mervin. That guy is awesome. But, you know, he had some things going on that he had to step away from the project for a little while. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Steve. I ended up writing issue two myself. And uh, I got him come back to do the uh, the lettering. And I'm going to try to rope him in to, to co-write with me for issue three because we work very well together. Perfect. Yeah. And I also have a color uh, editor named uh, Michael Florio, who is, you know, like, very meticulous, man. And, and you know, like he scrutinized the whole thing and made sure that 
all the pieces made sense and were connected properly on my page turns look good and everything so hey hey some that's a underrated job right there man sometimes you need that editor to just pull you back a little bit yeah. i know a lot of a lot of writers can get carried away be like oh i know what the hell i'm doing and yeah. just pretty much no, just please. needs somebody to bring you back yeah, absolutely, man. You know, I, I enjoy that that process of having it dissected. Like, this is good, but how can we say this better? This part right here, we telling them, but it's a it's a visual medium, so let's show them instead of just telling them. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm prone to mistakes because I still consider myself, even though I I try to present professional work, I still consider myself to be a bit of an amateur. Right. So I make sure that my team knows what they're doing. So anywhere that I'm falling short at or I'm falling behind on, I got people that I trust enough to correct me when I when I need correcting. Hey, now is I believe uh, as of right now, you got what, like 22, 23 days left. 23 days left. Yep. Yeah. 23 days left on the Kickstarter. And uh, shoot, this is a four issue arc. So, I mean, even though we right here at issue two and there's a lot more characters to play, two more issues, this is going, this is, this is going to like move a little bit quick. Yeah, yep. For this introductory arc, you know, yeah. this is going to set the tone for, for I'm, I am going to continue the story. I might, I might try to create another title because I have some other ideas in mm -hmm. my head right now, but I definitely want to get this introductory arc completed first. And and then move on from there, but uh, yeah, like I said, we're gonna finish these four, and then I'm thinking an extended cut, if not an extended cut, at least compile them all into uh, into one one uh, graphic novel book. Okay, now as as far as like this book's concerned, it's it it, it can be described in many things: uh, sci uh, science fiction, action. Uh, it can pretty much be in an in, in adventurous science fiction. And but the thing is, as far as like the genres that you've you've been inspired by and wanted to create that are outside of this, is there anything that you've wanted to try your hand at that that, that, that this book doesn't have? Well, let's see. Um I don't know about genre specifically. Like you said, it does fit it does it can wear many hats. Mm-hmm. Right? I wanted to tell a story where there's an emotional attachment. Okay. You know what I mean? And that provokes your your thoughts a little bit about uh, parenthood and the importance of, you know, setting these examples for your children's lives for them to, to walk through, even if they don't listen to you all the time, you know, mm -hmm. At least they have these life lessons inside of inside of the back of their head when they come up to these new challenges that they that they all eventually will come up to. That's what's up, man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, with the twenty three days left, man, I, I I wish you the best. I know this is a long campaign, so I'm pretty sure you're gonna be sticking it out, looking at Kickstarter every damn day. But I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you being on here, man. I'm I'm glad I finally got to talk about this book because I've talked about it to other people, and I Thank was like, I've been wanting to actually like talk to you personally about the book because I've I've been so intrigued by it. So I appreciate this. Um, if anybody wanted to get their hands on issue one outside of the Kickstarter, maybe when the, 
when the uh, the campaign is over? How could they possibly get their hands on it? You can look up um, Sweet Pea underneath comic books on Kickstarter and you'll find it there. You can type in uh, www.inked.pub backslash Sweet Pea 2 in your web browser and you'll find it that way. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok underneath Sweet P2, and I have the link for it in my bio as well. And you might see one of my ads floating around somewhere on, on, you know, on social media also. Or that's what's up, man. Hey, once again, I appreciate you having appreciate you coming aboard, man. This is this has been a good talk. And uh, I look forward to seeing what this what this comes up with in the future. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Just one last thing. You got, you know, that, that cover that you have there is a Kickstarter exclusive cover, right? Oh, word. Now, now that I didn't know. Yeah, when I, when I run a Kickstarter, the covers that I run on Kickstarter are are exclusive to Kickstarter only. After after I run out of that initial print, I, I switch over to another cover and try to build, try to give back to the people that help support me and back me and get my projects rolling. Mm-hmm. So hopefully one day, you know, when it's a big deal, you guys have these limited print comics. It's not thousands of copies of the same cover all over the place and increases the value of those a little bit. Or not no, that that's definitely good to know. My man. So um so for James Grand Mass Effects Boys, Aleem Leggett, Sweet Pea, issue two out right now on Kickstarter, 23 days left. Thank you for doing this again with me. And we are out.